0: Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. I'm Dr. Christine Turner. And I'm her daughter, Allison Jones.
1: And we come from a family of dysfunction.
0: This is a podcast for all families. Join
1: us as we discuss family dynamics and provide tools we discovered and used to heal dysfunction in our
0: own family. All it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. And if we can heal, so can you. This is Families Matter Workshop. Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. In this episode, we discussed the dysfunction within our relationship as mother and daughter. After listening back to the recording, we were disappointed to discover that the audio on one of the microphones was malfunctioning. We discussed whether or not we would go through with publishing this episode because it was not up to our audio quality standards. We thought about re-recording, however, through a few more discussions and prayer, we felt like the content and authenticity could not be duplicated. It is our most powerful episode to date and we felt like our listeners deserve the raw cut of our compelling story of healing a big part of our family dysfunction. I want to issue a trigger warning. We will discuss emotional abuse related to eating and weight. Please take care while listening. Let's go ahead and start by discussing what a safe person is.
1: A safe person is a person who um, is, is good for you to be around them. You become like a better person with them you become your real self, you get to make mistakes, you get to
0: show your true feelings,
1: your true feelings. Um, It's somebody who doesn't try to control you and allows you the freedom of choice.
0: And I think that also it boils down to respect
1: and honor.
0: Uh, Yeah, respect and honor.
1: And they kind of see you as an autonomous, separate person who has their own gifts and abilities and allows you to kind of like drive your own road without jumping and trying to drive your car all
0: the time. Right. And this is coming off our episode on boundaries. And, you know, we talked about how you need to set up boundaries with unsafe people. Do you think that you're a safe person?
1: I try really hard to be a safe person now. Um, I've come a long, long way. And I think that majority of the time I'm a pretty safe person now. What do you think?
0: Yeah. And I think that you are a safe person now, but you weren't always a safe person. And same for me is, and I think everybody can relate to this. There have been times in all of our lives when we have been unsafe people.
1: Right. And I, and we're talking about this and we go through the next couple of weeks and we're talking about who do we let close to us and who do we kind of keep at an arm's distance, especially in family relationships. It's important to say that like we're looking for patterns, Right. Like all of us are going to blow it, lose it, you know, be unsafe people at times that when there's a pattern, a repeated pattern over and over again with a person that they're not owning that you have to, or that they try to own. And then they go right back to it. That's when you have to put
0: boundaries and keep them at a distance. Right. Um, when did you realize that you weren't a safe person?
1: When I was going through um, healing after the, Counseling for the Abuse, I started to read books on codependency. And when I read books on codependency, I was just flabbergasted. Because um, if codependency is a disease, then I have a stage four case of it.
0: I remember the book that you read on codependency was probably in my 20s. Is that?
1: No, it was in your teenage years. I read it in your teenage years. I mean, I was, I was looking at it, but it was really hard to look to read and then, you know, it's kind of like seeing like, Oh, my God, I have this whole huge disease. And I have no idea how to get better. Yeah. And I realized, you know, here I am, you know, talking about boundaries, and I've been abused, and somebody's crossed my boundaries in the most horrific way. And my trust has been shattered, only to realize that I am now abusing family members or controlling family members in a sideways kind of way and oftentimes under this good guise of like Christianity or I'm gonna help my people form into this good person.
0: Right and you know in our intro we talk about how we come from a family of dysfunction and if we can heal so can you and so today's episode is really going to be diving into the nitty-gritty and we decided that we're going to start with the hardest part to talk about. We will talk through how setting up boundaries And working through these issues helped us become more safe with each other because our relationship was not always safe. I wasn't safe for you at times and you weren't safe for me at times. Absolutely.
1: And we, we have
0: different types of behavior
1: because you're a truth teller. Your unsafe behavior might look more like anger.
0: Yeah. In your face, anger,
1: in your face kind of anger. Whereas with my people pleasing personality my unsafe behavior is going to look like hints and manipulation and love bombing
0: there were times though that it wasn't people pleasing your behavior your need for control overcame your need to be a people pleaser
1: absolutely the, the fear of what could happen if if a circumstance didn't change because i didn't trust god and i didn't know he was good and so i wanted to avoid
0: suffering let's go ahead and get into it then um, yeah, i just
1: have to say right now like like we're going to talk about something that we haven't really ever processed together before. We've, we've gone through levels of it, but like the, the big main idea of it all, we haven't processed. So we don't even know if we're going to publish this, honestly, that I think we're going to publish this. And um, I'm scared because um, I don't look
0: good in this. You know, I'm not good. Um, we've talked in previous episodes about my behavior as a teenager and how I was just very disrespectful and totally ugly towards my, my family and angry. Yeah. Um, and I do think that the root of that could have been from some emotional abuse that I had from you in regards to eating. So little backstory, I am overweight. I'm a plus size woman. And I've always been a few pounds overweight most of my life. Right. And you, as most moms, I think a lot of women can relate to this, especially with the whole almond mom. My mom was an almond mom. For those, an almond almond mom is someone who, if you came and said, oh, I'm really hungry. Oh, just have a couple almonds. (laughs) Oh my
1: God. I'm an almond mom. I'm sorry. That's terrible. Have some carrots, have a piece of fruit.
0: Right, so my mom was an almond mom and this is a trend that was on TikTok, this almond mom thing. And I think a lot of millennials and Gen Z can relate to their moms also being almond moms. And your obsession with my weight stems from abuse that you suffered in your childhood.
1: So just a little backstory, I grew up very thin. Um, I dieted my first diet in third grade and I dieted to the point that I fainted because I was starving myself because my dad told me that I needed to lose weight. And when I fainted, I remember coming to and then realizing it was because I hadn't been eating anything. And and I was just like so excited, like, oh, my gosh, like now I don't have to be on a diet. Like now they're going to know. Yeah. And so my mom, we were at a store and so my mom got me some food. And then when we came home, my mom told my dad, hey, I'm going to cry. And it's okay to cry. She fainted because she's been dieting because you want her on a diet. You know this is like nine, eight years old. And my dad, I heard my dad say, "And I bet you went and fed her, didn't you?" Oh my God. And so, um, I just think something in me like just kind of died. Like, like how much is in half? I mean,
0: so this. And there were other times too when he would put you on a diet and reward you for like right. meeting certain goals right. and like he in, would weigh you in and-
1: sixth grade, I couldn't get my ears pierced until I lost 10 pounds.
0: Why do you think he was like that? Do you think he was abused?
1: I think he was abused. I think he was molested and um, I think maybe he liked a boyish figure. Yeah. And so he really, really wanted skinny people, really skinny people. So, you know, I was very aware that I needed to be skinny In order to be lovable, I was always on diets. And mind you, like I'm five foot eight, 120 pounds, like, like
0: very thin, very thin. And, but I'm
1: dieting, you know, because I need to keep it there. And I weigh myself every day. And if I go running, my dad tells me go run more.
0: And then also society is compounding this, that thin women are beautiful. Right.
1: And I came out there like Twiggy, right. like Twiggy was was so skinny, you know, and so Twiggy was considered beautiful. You know, every girl has in their heart's desire, you know, am, am I beautiful? There's this the feminine, you know, you wanna say like, am I pretty? Does my skirt twirl when I turn? You know? Right. And so I ended up having a lot of hang-ups about eating and body image. And I, sw- I swear to myself that I would never do this to my child. I would never weigh my child. I never weighed you. I would never pinch your stomach and will say, look at this, this is disgusting. And I would not put you on diets. I did
0: put you on diets, didn't
1: I? Or I never put you on a diet, but I would encourage you to lose weight.
0: I would say you put me on diets. Okay.
1: So you felt like you were put on a diet.
0: Yes. Okay. Maybe we do this together. We're going to eat healthy
1: together. We're going to count calories together. Yeah. Yeah. I, did. I did. So it's kind of like that. The very thing you don't want to do, you do to your child.
0: In a roundabout way. In a roundabout
1: way. Not the exact same way.
0: Right. Because you know that that's bad.
1: Because I know that's bad.
0: And yet, I guess it's the power of belief. Because if you really believe
1: something like that value is this and that is where you get your worth and value, then you're going to want other people to be valuable in that way.
0: Right. So a lot of your value was wrapped up in your image.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so I come along and my first um, interaction with hearing about weight was from our neighbors who had boys and one of the boys asked me how much I weighed. I weighed 60 pounds and he goes, Oh my gosh, I'm two years older than you and I weigh 60 pounds. Right. And I just remember running into the house and crying and saying, Oh my gosh, like so-and-so called me fat because I weigh 60 pounds and dad looking at me saying, you're not fat. Like, absolutely. That's ridiculous. And you saying the same thing. Fast forward a couple of years We're at the doctor's office, and you asked me to step out into the hallway to have a private conversation with our pediatrician. You say something along the lines of, she's overweight, I'm really concerned. Him saying, she's not overweight, and don't ever let her hear you talk about her weight. You should not be this concerned at her age with her weight. And that was my first experience with, oh, my mom thinks I need to lose weight. And I think I was eight or nine. And I, and
1: I am and I am sorry. I, mean, I know. I mean, I, uh, yeah.
0: So from that point on, I think I became aware that you had judged my body. Instances kept occurring, like signing me up for a gym membership. And it was always like, we're going to do this together. But then like celebrating, oh, you lost six pounds. Or if we had a really hard workout, oh, let's go get a diet soda as a treat. And then... My best friend is very thin, very petite, has always been very thin, very petite, can eat whatever she wants. There was a definite comparison between my body and her body when I was growing up. I remember one Halloween, we had matching Halloween costumes. I and you said, you should not be wearing that. You don't have the figure for that. And her, thank God, I'm going to call her out. Thank God for Gemma, Because every time i went to her saying my mom said this about me she would build me back up and explain to me and i don't know where she got the words from it's just miraculous but she would say like you're not fat you have these curves that i don't have your thighs aren't big you have stronger thighs than me you could bench press more than me and she's like you want to be healthier let's go for walks but don't do it because your mom's making you do it. Right. The fear that I wouldn't be loved because I was overweight came into play too. So, so what I'm
1: hearing you say is that you interpreted like my mom will love me if I'm skinny enough that I'm not loved now.
0: Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say loved. I would say more like accepted or valued. valued. Yeah. Cause I've, I always felt loved and guys like this is like the worst of the worst, you know, like this is every family has their toxic behavior. And I would say this is,
1: this is my most toxic yeah. choices. And
0: it, it's, and, um, you know, even I'm, now though, you say like, you don't remember saying these things to me.
1: Right. And it's interesting because, you know, we're talking a little bit beforehand and one of to said, we said, this is really painful. Allie says, you're not ready to do this. You know, let's do it anyway, even though it's painful because some of this is I'm having to really face this and and the pain that I caused you. So Allie began telling me about some of these occurrences and it's like, I really don't remember them. And it reminded me of how we gaslight people and that there's this part of me that says, because I don't want to remember this stuff, like. Right, it's, it's painful to, it's know, that painful you to know that you hurt your child. It's painful to know that you hurt your child, and, and not just like once, but that I had this devastating abusive pattern
0: that. You tried so hard not to pass down. That
1: I, that in my heart of hearts, that, that was probably the worst thing that was done to me And to think in my, I don't
0: even know what to call it,
1: evil flesh.
0: It's flesh living in the the kingdom of the world. Flesh
1: Living in the kingdom of the world. I did exactly the same thing in a different way to you. Right. You know, I think that this is one of the things, the way that like the sins of the fathers get passed on is because Mm -hmm. you have a
0: belief. And these beliefs form in your childhood.
1: They form in your childhood.
0: But you have to challenge your beliefs with what the word says. Right. And the word says I was created in his image. The word says I was, I'm beautiful.
1: Fearfully and wonderfully made. Beloved. That before you were born, the God foreknew you. And he picked out your ears and he picked out your nose and he picked out your body type. And he picked out your eye and how many eyelashes you're going to have. Right. But, but to challenge that. And I mean, I think that there's this process of the of the kingdom of, you know, we get to choose what kingdom we're living out of. But when we choose to live out of the kingdom of the world, the consequences are, are very hurtful. Yeah. Oftentimes, not just and to ourselves and to others, especially to our loved ones.
0: Right. I think that the pattern, I wasn't super aware of this abusive pattern until I had friends call it out and say, this isn't right. Especially like looking back now at what I weighed and looking back now and what I looked like. I mean, I was, I would say, on the low side of average. Body weight wise. Oh yeah, I
1: mean, like if
0: average is a spectrum, I was like on
1: the. Absolutely, and I mean, and I do the same thing with my with my journey. Like, you know, I'm dieting at 122 pounds.
0: Right. I'm
1: dieting. Like I eat a granola bar in one meal a day every single day to maintain 122 pounds. Back in high school. Back in high school, you know, like I have a memory of of I was graduating from college. I have on a beautiful peach dress i've just got my diploma and my dad comes up to me and goes your face you have the most beautiful face of any girl i've ever seen if you just lost a few more pounds come on i swear the night i graduated
0: that's so messed up as he congratulates me so and to hear that from your dad who's supposed to like, who's
1: supposed to say you're the most gorgeous thing in the world. You know,
0: um, you know, just like, Oh, I can't imagine this
1: this thing for perfection. I mean, I can't tell you how many, like getting weighed in front of the whole family, like the whole family's in the room. We're all like sitting on parents' bed and the scale's right there in the bathroom next to me. Come here, get weighed. You're you're disgusting. Look at this. Grabbing my stomach, weighing me in front of the whole family and then saying, look at that number. And then to think that I did this to
0: you, it just I mean you didn't you hard. never you never did that to me. You never weighed me and shamed me like that. But there were comments made. Yes. Let's go to the penultimate. ultimate. Okay, when you attend. So you ready for that? Yeah. The worst thing. The worst thing I ever did as far as weight goes, you can tell. But I don't even know like what the, what, what is the point? The point is why I set up boundaries. And I think that I started setting up boundaries before then. You
1: did. And I have to say that like every, like I was in this process of repentance.
0: Like I I called you on it probably in high school saying, I don't like you talking about my body. I don't like you talking about how much I weigh. I don't like you talking about my diet. Health, 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 health. All you talk to me about is health. And so I put up that boundary and I said, I don't want to talk to you about that. And when you cross that boundary, it would be almost like in like a very like loving way. Right. Oh, I'm just looking out for you. I just want what's best for you. And I would say, no, I don't want to talk about that. And then you stopped talking. And I remember saying to you, the way that you look at me when I eat, I can tell that you're judging everything that goes into my mouth. Right.
1: And I was, and I remember when you said that. And so like, you tell me that and you say, I can tell when you're looking at me, like if I'm eating French fries, how many French fries are you going to eat? Kind of like counting beers for somebody or, you know, that uh, judging, right? you know, and, I'm, and going, oh my God, she knows. Like I do that. And I am. And because I'm a Christian and I love the Lord and I love my child, I was in this process of going to God and going, God. I look at her and judge her when she eats French fries. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, how can I change? Help me. So there was this kind of this process of, I think, growth. Right. Growth and then backsliding and growth and then backsliding and growth and then backsliding. But, you know, to say backsliding is like these things are devastating to your heart. What you're really saying is you're not lovable. Right. And valuable unless you fit the, this artificial Standard, standard, and I mean, like for me, just as an aside, every time I go like to the beach in Florida, I'm kind of floored because I see ordinary. This is humanity enjoying the beach, and nobody looks like what is in the, my mind because because of media. Right. I've been brainwashed so much to accept what's being served on the magazine covers and
0: as what the beauty standard as, is. As a
1: beauty standard.
0: And I think also a benefit is that I've grown up in a time where we've really put our foot down as women saying that the beauty standard needs to change to reflect all women, you know, big can be beautiful.
1: Right.
0: You're beautiful. Thank you. I've heard that before. (laughs) The process though of setting this boundary, it got to a point where I was ready to go no contact with you. Because of the pattern the pattern, the repeated
1: pattern and the words not matching the actions
0: and me bringing it up to you that this is hurtful. And I don't want to talk about this anymore. The pattern continuing and it got to a point where I was married and trying to have a baby and everyone knew that we were trying to have a baby. And you made a comment saying that, maybe the reason why you're unable to get pregnant is because you're overweight and i've been doing some research and if you just lost some weight your chances of conceiving would be a lot greater medically that might be true but to hear your mom say that when yeah. i've been seeing doctors and the doctors are fine with it and that day i said to my husband you know i'm ready to cut off all ties and I think that he talked to dad and you guys came over for a, a face-to-face conversation. Cause I think that was over the phone or via text. And so you're in the living room and you're crying saying, I just want you to be healthy. I just want you to, you know, have a baby. And if you just lost weight, your chances would be so much better. And I'm just like smirking. And Greg is, you know, holding my hand and, Little did you know that on the bathroom counter was a positive pregnancy test. That just showed me that you're putting too much weight into what your mom thinks of you. And that God is the one who truly knows my life. Right. My value doesn't come from right. your control. My value doesn't come from meeting your beauty standards. That I'm already beautiful in the eyes of God. I'm already beautiful to my husband. My friends think I'm beautiful. And you know what? Even strangers think I'm beautiful. So, my mom saying that I'm overweight and it's going to affect me in the most devastating way, the most devastating thing in my life at that moment was not being able to have a baby.
1: I'm sorry.
0: I know you're sorry. Yeah. And you've said sorry. And
1: I mean, I remember your dad when we had that conversation going to me, Chris, you're effed up.
0: Like, yeah. And my, my husband
1: doesn't criticize me. It's just going, you're F up. This is F. And just kind of going,
0: I am. You're right. But but before then, I had said to you, I don't want to talk about this. I don't like when you do this. We're not going to have a conversation. We're not going to have a a relationship if you continue. And then you still made comments. Why was this the turning point?
1: Well, I think that what I want you to understand is like all along through all of this, this is like the, the pinnacle of it all. But through all of it, I have been trying to control your entire life. Okay. I am on high alert all the time. What kind of friend group do you have? What kind of job are you going to have? What kind of career? Do you have the right clothes? What I wanted for you is I wanted you to have the most power and the most value in the kingdom of the world. I kind of wanted you to like have your cake and eat it too. I wanted you to be, you know, know who you are in God but I wanted you to have all the benefits of living in the kingdom of the world. Because if, if you don't fit the world standard, it's hurtful. It hurts
0: to you, to me.
1: Uh, that's what I believe.
0: And that's what you
1: experienced. And that's what I experienced. Um, if, yeah. If you don't hit this standard, people are going to hurt you and you're not going to be loved. And I like, just want you to know, like I'm not there yet. Like in my own heart with my own weight issues, like I'm not there.
0: No, I, I'm, I know that. I don't think you're ever, un- unless you have some deep therapy, I don't want to say you're never going to be healed from that, but you suffered something very traumatic, and that trauma hasn't been dealt with. Right. But I've been trying. I can tell you're really emotional right now. Can you tell me what's going through your head? I guess it's grief.
1: I have grief, sadness because not being loved as myself as a kid and then not loving you because of that. It just makes me really sad.
0: But I, I don't think that I don't think that I feel not loved. It's more not valued. That I not even that I'm not valued, but that I would have more value if I was right. skinnier. And that my true value comes from my body image. I've done the work with myself to where I can appreciate my body how it is today and I can love my body how it is today. And if you can't love your body at its biggest, then you're never going to love your body as at your smallest. You're never going to be satisfied. And so my work has been switching my mindset to live in this place where I appreciate myself. And do I love everything about my body right now? No. No. Is there things that I would change? Yes. Do I want to lose weight? Yes. Am I currently dieting? Yes. But that's all because of me, my health, my choices.
1: Not a value
0: statement. Not a value statement.
1: Right. And
0: um, I just see the
1: pattern of, of abuse in this particular area. And I have, un- obviously, everybody can hear I have unhealed wounds still. And, and that's just the process. It's the process of family dynamics. It's the process of, of the journey of healing is the process of knowing God, it's the process of learning to love ourselves from whatever our pains are in our life. You know, I wish
0: that it had been different. Right. And there's nothing that we can change about the past. We can change moving forward. And I think that you've made a vow to me and to yourself that comments like that won't happen again. Well,
1: and the other part of it is like,
0: I'm different. Like, I don't judge,
1: I don't watch what what you eat, what other, you know, like, I'm better. Like, I have gotten better. I have gotten healed. I have had layers of healing where I'm not trying to control or look at or even think about like what you eat or your size most of the time.
0: For our listeners, I kind of want to talk about this dynamic that we had to where I was setting boundaries. You would say, Yes, I'm going to honor that boundary. And then you'd cross it. And I'd say, I'm setting this boundary. You say, yes, I'm going to honor that boundary. And then you'd cross it. How often would I cross it? Once or twice a year.
1: Okay. So I just want to say like, this isn't like an everyday, like every week somebody's
0: like, but but, no. Yeah. Um, When would you cross it in a big way? Once or twice a year. In the beginning, it was like these microaggressions. I would call it like where you would say, Oh, you know, if you're hungry, go ahead and have a piece of fruit or, talking about how many calories, oh, why don't you just have a cup of yogurt for dessert rather than this cookie or, like little things like little, that,
1: little, little like trade-offs, like choose some lower calorie, you know,
0: and you became the person, I think in your mind that like knew everything about health. Yeah, yeah I do. I did think that I had a food IQ because like I could, you
1: know, you could tell me
0: the, the number calories of calories in,
1: in, in, a, kind of in a
0: serving of any food I was a, questioning. Yeah. yeah. When you've been on a
1: diet since you were eight years old, you kind of get to know
0: right kind of stuff. Let's go back to my question though. What do you do though if someone is crossing your boundary, and you set up the boundary?
1: I think that we are good role models of working through dysfunction. I do believe that the process that we're going to describe that not every family is healthy enough or has the tools to do this process, but like us. He would would set a boundary, I would honor the boundary, and I would cross the boundary. And I just want to say that underneath my crossing boundaries, like, why would I do that? Why would I know would I do that? And that would usually be fear. And this wasn't just with you, your brother too. You know, if you're not going to choose the right sport, if you're not going to go to the right college, if you're not going to have the right girlfriend, if you're not going to choose the right food, your brother going to the military, he could get killed, like, I
0: wanted to you wanted to protect our image. You had a fear of that we would be judged by the world and that our image would be You think that? You
1: think
0: so? You said to me once if you were only skinnier, this was about a boyfriend that I dated for a while in college. If you were if you would lose some weight and if you were skinnier, you might be able to find a more attractive boyfriend. And I think,
1: but do, but I mean, when you, when you say it like that, it sounds so horrible, but wasn't it more hinty? No, you,
0: you were asleep and you had woken up and I said something about like, oh, I'm flying out to see so-and-so my boyfriend at the time. And the comment was,
1: so I come out of a sound sleep and tell you this. yeah. So
0: You were asleep in the basement too. And like you woke up and you said, if you were skinnier and lost some weight you could find a more attractive boyfriend? Was I high? (laughs) But that is, I
1: mean, that's weird. Do you remember saying that? No, I think I was just half out of it. You know
0: how I am asleep. But I mean, mean, the basis is, the basis is I had an overweight boyfriend.
1: Yeah.
0: I had gained weight in the relationship. Well,
1: he, I have to say like, he terrified me.
0: Because he was so overweight.
1: Because he was so overweight. And his parents were huge.
0: And I'm just
1: like, and I mean I know that I'm, I'm talking about my mindset at the time was just like
0: Even you saying his parents were huge do you not see like that's like problematic?
1: Yes. I see that that's problematic from our from our discussion now that that I should not be judging that but I'm trying to communicate my mindset at the time.
0: Okay, and your mindset at the time? My
1: mindset at the time is you have value if you're thin. You have value if you're healthy. I mean, my dad was a freaking marathon runner. I mean, you know, like, are they going to be healthy? Is he going to be healthy? Are their kids going to be healthy? And then yeah. you get into looks, are there, you know, like, what's their family dynamic going to be like? What are their children going to be like? Are they going to have this generational thing? My worst fear, you know, is, and obesity is is, is a,
0: is a genetic,
1: a genetic obesity coming into the family line forever and ever. When I have this huge hang up about it to start with.
0: So all of these comments are based in fear about image, based in fear about health.
1: Right. And for me, my particular thing, because of my wounding, my belief is you're not lovable and valuable if you're overweight for myself personally. And if I don't believe that I'm lovable and valuable, then I can't give what I don't have to other people. And so I'm in this process of learning, like I am lovable and I am valuable.
0: Do you think now that I'm lovable? Yes. Do you think I was lovable then? Did you think that Um, I was lovable then?
1: I was, I was, yes, absolutely. So you have
0: this conflicting idea because you love your daughter so much.
1: I love you. I love you so much, but I, it's kind of like, I want you to have your.
0: But you want society to love me. I want
1: my society to love you. I don't want you rejected. And I have, you know, a lot of rejection. Yeah, society. You had
0: rejection from your family. Did you have rejection from other people? Uh, tons of rejection, but not not for my weight. Okay. Yeah, but tons of rejection for other things. I'm just trying to think of a time that I felt like judged by society. I had a, a student one time ask if I was pregnant. And I said, no, I'm just fat. <laughs> but I think that's just like from the mouth of babes kind of thing. Right,
1: right. So how are you with this conversation?
0: I was dreading it because we both admitted that we were nervous to have this conversation. And I was afraid that you were nervous because you didn't want to have your image tarnished. Right. And to me, that wouldn't be accepting responsibility and taking ownership for the hurt that you've caused in the past. Yeah, I um it's like, I yes, I did this terrible that, thing, but let's not talk about no, it.
1: No, I, I did do it. I under, I'm under, I understanding more and more why I did it, but that doesn't excuse the behavior. Right. Like for you just to say, I think that that a lot of dysfunction of family dynamics are the disconnect between intentions and actions. And so when we come to family dynamics, we can say, oh, we all have 100% great intentions. Like I want to love my children. I want them to know I want them to be strong. I Unless
0: you're to- messed up. Like your dad was messed up. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, you can you can be an abused pedophile too. You yeah. know, But you know, I love, I want, and then you have that way that it actually happens. And this is where you know people get really angry where there's co- this co- disconnect between intention and words and actions. And this is where the, our dysfunction came. And, and until the heart change happens, it's very difficult to have sustaining change. I mean, we had improvement and growth. I think we could say we're in the process of healing our relationship all along there's no change without ownership. And I was very reluctant to own. I always wanted to go back to my intentions instead of owning it. But I didn't mean to, but I I didn't mean for it to come out like that. You're mishearing me. That's not how I meant it. And I didn't, I never like, I want to cut you off at the knees, but there's this like wanting to
0: kind of shift to my excuse of intentions versus- My intentions were good. My intentions are just about your health.
1: I think you did a really good job of setting boundaries when they needed to be set. I know that that must have been hard for you. Every time that you did, it was was hard for me to uh, to face myself, to see myself, to see that the very thing I didn't want to do, I did again, and I hurt you, and then I vow I'm going to do better and change, and I want to thank you for being willing to trust me enough to let me in to do the process, because you were entitled and could have just said, I don't want you in my life at all you're not healthy enough. There's this pattern. I don't want you there because you keep hurting me. And obviously you're not changing, but instead you would accept my apology. I think you saw that when I did apologize, it was a sincere apology.
0: Yeah. And I knew that your intention was never bad. You never intended to make me feel bad about myself. You never intended to hurt me, but at the same time, it was like your fear outweighed everything. Yeah, it would build up.
1: I take medication for anxiety and I take medication for depression. And so I would get anxious and like start to hyper focus on you. That was one of my big places of anxiety. Maybe you, you know, understand if you've been around people, but like you get hyper focused on something and your brain just keeps going, going, going until it's like, I just had to like try to fix it. And you, would, you know, would reiterate, and then I would be broken again, and I'd say, I'm sorry again. And then we would try to rebuild, and we would rebuild, and then I would do the
0: same thing again. And I think that everyone has to make this choice when they set boundaries, and you have someone that crosses your boundaries. You have to make the choice of, is this person capable of change, which I thought that you were? Does this person sincerely want to change, which you did? Right. And Part of the learning process is making mistakes. And in our next episode, we're going to discuss my journey of how I found out that I was an unsafe person and the steps that I took to become safer.
1: Right. And and I was on a parallel journey, um, unsafe in, in different ways and on this journey. And we kind of started to talk about it as a family and embrace the language of healthy communication and talk about like boundaries and what does it look like to cross boundaries and what does it look like to have a real apology. So there's this kind of whole process going on right now. You know, I just appreciate your willingness to go through the process.
0: And I appreciate the fact that you realize the lifetime of abuse or dysfunction that I experienced means that it's going to take more than one apology. Right. And that's something that you've never shied away from is anytime I've I've brought it up, it's always been met with, you know, I'm so sorry about that. Never like, I already apologized. How much longer am I going to have to apologize for that?
1: Well, and I do think that there's a lot of people that that is a big issue in their family dynamics is they're like, I I said, I was sorry. I said, I was sorry that I abused you your whole life.
0: Right. Because
1: they said, they're sorry that they're done.
0: That erases.
1: That erases everything. And they're like, they don't understand why their family member doesn't want to have anything to do with them. Like, I, I know people that said, I'm sorry I wasn't the best mom. And that's supposed to cover everything. Everything. <laughs> you know, and if only. Like, I, I said I was sorry.
0: And I also think, too, that part of my process of learning to respect others and becoming safe people, I also learned about forgiveness. And I learned that forgiveness isn't necessarily for the other person it's more for you and so I forgave you for myself so that I could let go of the hurt and I could let go of the anger and then I did kind of start looking at you as someone who experienced trauma yourself and I think that as children become adults they grow up and especially like now that I'm a mom it's like looking back you were just trying to figure it out just like I'm just trying to figure it out. And as children, we look at our parents as these all-knowing beings. And now I can look back and say, you were where I am right now as this like, well, I don't know. We'll try it this way today. See if this goes better. You know, it's all trial and error, this whole parenting thing. I
1: I remember Jeffrey, or one of you complaining um, about the way I was being a mother or whatnot. And I said, don't you know? And then you guys looking at me,
0: I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> you guys were like, what? I said, I've never been a
1: mother before. I have no idea. Right. I'm just trying to figure this
0: out. I'm just doing the best <laughs> I can. <laughs> and you guys are both kind of like, oh my gosh. Just know. We're screwed. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> so I think that as I've done my own healing with what I went through, I have been able to look at you kind of as, a victim too. A more compassionate eyes. Right. And the words that you have have no bearing on my heart or my soul anymore because I know what God says about me and God, what God says about me is the truth. And I can look now and see that what you said about me was from a place of the flesh.
1: Right.
0: Right. And a lie. And a lie. Yeah. yeah. And so for our listeners, you know, we talk about how, We came from a family of dysfunction. We're still working on it, but we have healed this part of our relationship. That seems so impossible to heal. And I just want to encourage our listeners out there that, you know, do some investigating whether or not you're a safe person, because through that process, we really started to open up and understand the dysfunction in our relationship. And understanding the dysfunction first is what led us to having a stronger relationship today and healing. All it takes is for one person to choose healthy change in order to improve your family dynamics. Thank you for listening to Families Matter podcast. Subscribe to our podcast and join us each week as we learn how to talk about hard things without ending family relationships. If you connected with our discussion, you can dive deeper into today's concepts on our website, familiesmatterworkshop.com. Here you will find additional instructions and materials to help you implement and process the tools needed to help heal your family. You can also find Dr. Turner's two books, Beloved from the Start and Families Matter, You Matter. These are available on Amazon. Do you have a relationship issue that seems impossible? We want to hear from you. Email us at familiesmatterworkshop@gmail.com at gmail.com or visit our website, www.familiesmatterworkshop.com. Anonymity will be protected. And remember, all it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. Thanks for listening.